0: It's amazing what 16 pounds does <laughs> hey oh we did it we did it we're in a new place this is exciting we're out of the ephemeral void yes into uh, the real world I'm, I'm no longer in a little cocoon in my my home office that is the pandemic over
1: <laughs> no. No, still no, not. But. I
0: don't know if it technically is or not. <laughs> but we are out and about. We are at, uh, can I just say, beautiful uh, Faultline Brewery here in Sunnyvale, California. Uh, starting off, uh, trying to tour some breweries. And, uh, we Thank you very much. Uh, we we happen to be in the Bay Area, so uh, we're taking in the sights and all of the libations that Sunnyvale has to offer. But with all that out of the way, welcome to Talking Heads, everyone. Episode two hundred eighty-seven. That number gets bigger and bigger every day. Can you believe you've, you've done this two hundred and eighty-seven? Well, you haven't done it 287. hundred eighty. I've done it times. like two hundred eighty-five. Yeah, that's that sounds about right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. you're once the live show for latest in beer and tech news. I'm Jeff. I'm Rhett. (laughs) Welcome to the show, everyone. Thank you all so much for joining us on this Wednesday night or in podcast form over on Anchor.fm or wherever your favorite podcasts are found. If you've never seen the show before, we talk beer, we talk tech, we talk games, pop culture, entertainment usually some Star Trek. All Super Chats are run on the air, so long as they will not permanently demonetize the channel, although I do encourage you, if you're gonna leave a Super Chat, go on over to craftcomputing.store and get yourself some merch and actually get something for your money. Uh, Let me know about it in chat and I'd be more than happy to throw that shout out as well. Uh, We do drink alcohol on the show, quite obviously, and if you're drinking along with us, alcoholic or not, let us know in the chat and we'll give some early show shout outs as we go along. Last but not least, if you really want to help support the channel, consider joining the Patreon. Link is down in the video description. As a bonus, you'll get exclusive access to the Discord server, where you can chat with myself, John, Rhett, Steve, all the hosts from Talking Heads, and join the awesome community that hangs out over there. And can I just say, I've been drinking since one. (laughs) Mm. You can say it, Jeff. I can say it. You can say it. You can't, because you'll get in trouble. I haven't, (laughs) (laughs) but I, I, uh, Jeff called me out the other day. I cleverly, well, I I took May off from drinking any alcohol and, Mm -hmm. and somehow through Providence managed to get all of my shows off for May. Thanks to, to John and Steve for covering for me. Uh, it wasn't John and Steve. It was Radal oh and Veronica. You're right. Oh I'm my so sorry. Yeah. How did I forget that? Both of you. Yeah. Right. Thank you, Radal <laughs> and Veronica. Honestly, screw Jeff. Uh, screw John wow. and Steve. Yeah, screw wow. Jeff. Truth also, is screw coming Jeff. out here. Screw <laughs> every. But Veronica and Radal, thank you so much for holding down the fort while I had other things to take care of. <laughs> including, I wouldn't have been able to drink a beer on that show. So that's right. So, yeah, no, it all worked out conveniently, I might add. <laughs> uh, it really was not planned to not be on this show. Yeah. I would have given Veronica more than a day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I I honestly tried, but in both instances, it was like Wednesday morning, you woke up and were feeling like absolute dog, and, and we're like, we need someone else on the show. Well, and Radal's credit, too. I, I was at work, and that was the day. It was like 3.30, and I was like, hey, man, I really got to go. Family emergency. And you're like, yeah, no worries. I'll see about who can cover for I'll, you. I'll figure it out. Yeah. So, figured uh, it out in like 90 minutes, and... Like, yeah. before I even got home, you had it squared away, so. Yeah, no, so I, yeah, that all worked out, uh, and, and that was a lot of fun, getting to mix it up just a little bit. Yeah. Uh, whoa! <laughs> all right. We're on a, we, we got a flimsy little table here that's in front of us, so. Glass literally just fell off the table, so, but, uh, the awesome staff here at Fall Line is going to take care of it. I, I'm just going to blame the Earthquakes. Yeah, it's fault line, and we're on the fault line, apparently, so... That's right. Uh, anyway, um, why are we in California? Uh, that This is obviously something completely out of left field for a lot of people, and actually, as of last Wednesday, we weren't planning on being in California. No. Yeah, I think uh, it was, like, Friday morning or something, I, we kind I, of... I think it was Thursday afternoon, Friday morning yeah. that all the details got ironed out. Anyway, uh, so we are actually here to cover... Uh, AWE 2023 is the Augmented World Expo. It is where the best and the brightest of augmented reality and virtual reality technology meet to uh, exchange trade secrets and show off what they've been working on. So, yeah, uh, we are here thanks uh, thanks to our our homies over I at Nreal. <laughs> Over at Enreal now. There. Now it's Xreal, by the way. Uh, in <laughs> case you on haven't heard about it's that. <laughs> uh, Xreal, uh, creators of the Xreal Air, they invited us to come down and check out what they have in store next, what they've been working on, and we figured that we'd check out the rest of the show uh, as well, while we're at it. So yes, AWE 2023, the Augmented World Expo. Um, companies like Meta. Sony. Um, uh, Epson, Rocket, uh, who else is here? There's a lot of people here. A couple, couple more big names I was trying to think uh, Basically, anyone who's anyone in the augmented or virtual reality space is here. And uh, as Rhett mentioned, we were asked uh, by Xreal to come and uh, uh, cover them. And I figured while we were in town, we might as well check out the rest of the event as well and fly in a day early and drink beer since noon. So that's what we've been doing today. And, uh, and one of the cool things, too, I'll just say this really quickly, is that um, Faultline did not have to agree to host us tonight, mm-hmm. but uh, they they were totally into it and were super gracious enough to set us up with a really cool corner spot in their gigantic restaurant. Yeah, check that yeah, out. Yeah, so, so we're kind of in, in one of the back rooms here. You can actually see the bar and the brewery off to the right of the screen right there. Uh, so this is a their, their actual brewing location. Uh, they, they've got vats that are 30 feet high that you can see from outside. It's actually a wonderful little corner property here. There's a little lake behind us. It's absolutely gorgeous here. And ducks just walked in right before we pressed go. Literally like five minutes before we started shooting, there were ducks walking into this room from the lake. It was amazing. It was pretty cool, so. So, yeah, uh, thank you to Faultline for, for having us here on very, very short notice. Yeah, uh, And you guys might expect a, a little bit, you know, we just had our server come and hand Jeff a beer. Our server came over and helped Jeff pick up a set. So, you know, we are in a public space, so please anticipate a couple of public-oriented distractions tonight. But we're going to do our best to, to soldier on regardless of whatever's happening around us. So Exactly. Uh, no, we are not at Computex. Uh, I know. So... <laughs> Shut it. (laughs) (laughs) Who brought that up? I know. No, uh, we desperately wanted to go to Computex. It didn't work out this year. Uh, We will be going next year. Like, like this year was always kind of a, eh, maybe... Uh, from both of us, but I think we are both in the position where we're like we're making the commitment to go to Computex next year. Yeah, if we can make it like make it work 100, that's that's a thing. Like we want to make it make it happen. So exactly, just the pieces did not fall together quite yeah. right. Uh, anyway, uh, as you can tell, we've kind of started the evening early. Uh, Rhett, what are you drinking this evening? I am drinking the Pink Boot Hazy IPA. Uh, it is a delightfully citrus forward and very piney uh, hazy IPA from Fault Line Brewing, brewed right here in this location. So super excited. This is a, I, I just had this one a little bit ago. I liked it enough that I went ahead and ordered a second one. So um, big fan of it. I like hazies, you know, unlike some people here. I love hazies. <laughs> See, that's what he says. I, I, I love hazies that are not hazy just for the sake of being hazy. How's that? Um, this is this is a step uh, away from that. I feel like. I mean, it's definitely got that like about. a little bit about. of a bite. Yeah, yeah. but it's good. Uh, a lot of German beers here, and and I am very much a fan uh, of German inspired beers. And uh, so I'm actually having their uh, their Belgian inspired uh, tripel or triple, depending on how you want to pronounce that. Uh, Eight point six percent, and holy crap. Uh, <laughs> clovey banana figgy goodness Uh, yeah their Hefeweizen uh, Uh, I didn't order it but Jeff had it earlier and it was uh, very very traditionally German as well like yes that kind of comical sort of banana finish that Uh, some people love some people hate but it's very authentic do you remember how I described that beer Uh, it's like uh, biting into into an apple and getting a banana Right. Uh, so uh, I took a sip of the Hef and I went, oh, that's crisp. And I mean like, oh, crisp. Like biting into like a fresh Granny Smith apple. Only there's a banana inside that apple. <laughs> <laughs> that is very much what it's like. Um, this is fantastic. I'm probably going to have something else along the way. Uh, they have a, uh, a Redwood Ale that is delicious. That was, yeah. um, sitting right at about five and a half percent. It's a delicious hopped red yeah um and uh you know i i like my malty reds but i also love the west coast you know hopped reds and now that this is... one was maltier than that you know it, it was like a northwest style but it was really malty so yeah. it was nice yeah like... it, it, it really did have a nice you know sweetened thick finish to it um Anyway, we do have a couple super chats to start us off. Michael says, this could have been another brick in the wall. Welcome to the Australian time zone. Uh, I've been broadcasting at six for, like, almost a year now. Like, where have you been? Uh, but thank you for joining, Michael. And I guess those are 25 Aussie dollary e uh, Oh, no. So I'll buy another pint. Uh <laughs> Uh, and Tech Geek chimes in, off yesterday, thank you for the, the super chat Tech Geek. Uh, off yesterday, today and tomorrow for once, so I get to relax for a few days. Evening Jeff, screw Rhett. What? That's what it says. Alright, I guess I, I guess I deserve that. Yeah. A, a fellow pickle hater I see, Tech Geek. Yeah. Uh, Novella wants to know if I tried the Black Dragon Stout at Faultline. They don't have that one on tap right now, unfortunately. They're, they do have a can of that, and I might leave with that. Okay, I did see that. They also have an ESB that's only in a can. Um, but uh, their stout right now is their Oat Stout. Uh, haven't tried that one yet, although I that might be a good nightcap for me. Um, I've had their Tropical IPA, uh, which is very pineapple, very guava, very, um, very bright, is kind of what I wanted to call it. Uh, However, also on tap, they have this rotating cask. Cask-treated beer. Treated, uh, which means it is the beer that is served at 55 degrees Fahrenheit, or cellar temp, uh, with no added nitrogen or CO2 for carbonation. And so Rhett had the tropical, uh, allegedly, Uh, No, I did. On on cask and wildly different. Yeah, it was crazy. When Jeff had it uh, from the keg, it was really bright, really fruity, floral, happy tasting. Yeah. When I had it from the cask, those flavors were a lot more muted. And it brought out, I think, like what is, what I would say is like a a, a rounder flavor, a little bit more muted. mm -hmm. Uh, there, there was no pineapple. There was no. none of the super bright. The fruitiness notes. was really gone. Yeah, like it, it. It the sweetness was there, but the fruitiness was gone. Yeah, uh, the citrus was gone. So it was an interesting take on that. Yeah, no, it, it was awesome to try them in literally both different styles, like the same keg but two different ways. Uh, that's something you don't get to do very often. Yeah. Uh, uh, here, at BMW says, Rhett's better half is drinking his beer from coin toss brewing while he's away. What? Come on, now. One of those is a pickle lager, though, so... Oh. She can have that. <laughs> I also got a Hefeweizen and a, uh, a pie, a cherry pie stout. Mm. So coin toss brewing, if anybody hasn't had it, I think they're out of uh, Corvallis. And they make my favorite pickle beer. It's called Caught in a Pickle. It's pretty good, uh, which is hilarious that that's topical because Jeff. Uh, I did just w- blow Rat's mind. A little bit. Ago. A little bit. Yeah, we we yeah. went down the pickle wagon because I was giving him some serious shade about this. Yeah. Because like, how could a man? How could a man have an opinion about the color of his onions, right? But why? Why onions pickles. are better. Uh, that's fine. I almost could agree especially with that, especially on burgers. Screw red onions on burgers. Like, red onions and salads, sure. I'm kind of a yellow onion fan. Uh, yeah, I could see that. I could see that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, and punts. he takes me down this, this road of, of nuances, like, oh, well, actually, see, it's not so much that I love or hate them. It's that, uh, well, they're just exquisite flavors, and too much of them can spoil it, so I prefer to have a rounded... Uh, <laughs> Experience, whatever you say. Onions and cucumbers should be garnishes, not main ingredients, is what I said. And uh, Rhett's like, screw you, you don't even like pickles. Meanwhile, I'm having tartar sauce with my fish and chips. (laughs) And the coleslaw, which has vinegar. Uh, I didn't eat the coleslaw. He didn't I, touch I, it. I still He took a coleslaw. picture of it, which I think let everybody believe. Which is a little disingenuous. It was very disingenuous. Everybody's like, wow, look at him. He's having coleslaw and fish and chips? Wow. Right. <laughs> but no, tartar sauce, which has relish in it, which obviously is pickle. Uh, it's because it is super well balanced. And yeah, there's a little bit of a vinegar, a little bit of a brininess to it, but it's not... It's not overpowering in any way, it, and, it, and it adds to the overall flavor. Whereas I feel eating a pickle is like eating something from the nineteen hundreds, where preservation <laughs> was more important than flavor. But what's wrong with that? Do you like pickled anything? No. God. Like, do no. you like pickled vegetables? No. What's your favorite vegetable? If you can call it corn. Have you ever had pickled corn, though? No. So good. No pickled corn i might like i i kind of get that yeah but only because corn is so flippin sweet yeah technically corn is a grain but it's a grain i'll I'll count it right um like like i said technically speaking man alive i just i just don't know what to tell you man fermented foods are the best foods like you love beer if if i'm gonna ferment something i'm gonna drink it but that's a way of like preserving things it it totally is, but at least it's good. Don't pretend that you're gonna go home and drink a pint of white vinegar. I'm so sorry. I love vinegar. I love pickle. When I wake up after a night of of, of drinking, I drink a glass of pickle juice as my hangover cure. Yeah. Uh, I, I I know I know like picklebacks for Jameson is totally it's, a thing. Yeah. What's up with that? You don't yeah. like that? Have you tried a pickleback? Um, of course not. <laughs> Are you mad, man? I just I, the problem is this: is anybody other than Jeff? I almost feel like with you, with, with what you're giving me, I, I I feel like I could push you over the edge. But I just know that Jeff is an immovable object in this sense. So you really I, can't. Though. I just get a flick him crap instead. <laughs> you really can't push me over that edge, like, and 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 to be fair, my borders do have bounds within reason. Oh, yeah. They were reasonable. Um, I give them that. Give them uh, that. So, so th- there there are two main hates that I have in my life. One is pickles and one is mushrooms. Cannot stand them. Uh, mushrooms is more of a texture thing. But, I also told Rhett, one of my favorite things in the world is P.F. Chang's makes these lettuce wraps with... Uh, Uh, rice noodles and a little bit of chicken and and some some oils and things like that oh yeah and one of the main things in that is super fine diced portobello mushrooms and they're delicious I don't have a problem with mushrooms as a flavor and in fact I love a good uh, uh, cream of mushroom soup as long as it's not chunky mushrooms inside of it like if it's completely pure and creamy. Yeah. It's not a bad flavor. Uh, I do like... uh, Oh, gosh. What's the the noodle recipe? uh, Don't look at me. Don't know. Oh, gosh. But see, I... There's one with noodle and beef and mushroom. Stroganoff. Oh, stroganoff. Sure enough. Yeah. Uh, I, I do like a good stroganoff, as long as there's not, like, whole chunks of mushrooms, because with mushrooms, it's the texture. I can't stand yeah. it. See, but I, I, I don't I mind the flavor. I love the texture of mushrooms. Like, I used to say, yeah, but I don't know, you know, I was kind of forced to eat mushrooms a lot as a kid, but dude, it's it's like the meat of the vegetable world. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I know. And, it's like, and, I could replace and, and, a burger patty with a portobello mushroom cap, and I'm, like, good to go. <sighs> yeah, man. No. does not get as pure no. as that. You know what I'm saying? Ugh. Plus, over here in Oregon, we legalized lots of mushrooms. Uh, I mean, for therapy. So I, I mean, if it came down to eating one of those, like totally, I'm on board. So. I think a lot of people make them into like teas and stuff. so yeah. You can probably avoid the texture. Right. And, and and like I said, with mushrooms, it's mainly a texture thing. Uh, with pickles, it's absolutely just the abhorrent amount of vinegar and salt, and and it's just not balanced in any way, shape, or form. Uh, someone on the Discord earlier corroborated my my opinion that yeah. if they put big, pickles on a burger, it's done. The pickles overpower every aspect of the burger. If if you place a pickle on a burger and take it off, you can't unpickle the burger. It, it, it is forever tainted. And there's not a lot of ingredients you can say that about. Sure there is. Bacon. Yeah, but... Oh, but bacon's good? Yeah. Of course bacon's good. But bacon flavor, that's why you can successfully substitute, like, bacon crumbles for, like, full-fledged bacon. Uh-huh. Because the flavor just can, radiates. Can, 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 I, can I blow everyone's minds again? Uh, He's ba- never had bacon. Bacon is overdone. Bacon is so overblown as a flavor. Like, bacon yeah. is one of those, I feel, should be a garnish, not an ingredient. Like, like occasionally... No, no, no 100%. Like, like yeah. I, I do like, you know, a couple strips of bacon on a, on a hamburger or a right. cheeseburger or whatever. Um, but, like, you get these, like, quadruple bacon mushroom Swiss things. It's okay. Too, it's too much bacon. Here's a question. Where and how are you eating pickles that it is not a garnish? Um, yeah. Got got, got them, boys. No, no, no. My (laughs) entire family loves pickles. At any point in time, we have two Costco jars of pickles (laughs) in my fridge. Uh, And in fact, they can't open the jars by themselves, so they ask me to do it. And so my response is always, ethically, I don't think I should. (laughs) As I'm cracking it open. Um, But, uh, yeah, my kids will eat just like like just crunch pickles good for them all day long that's delicious and healthy for their gut i'm sure it is that's promoting some really good gut health right there well it's also killing the good bacteria that actually helps no it's not killing the good bacteria it's promoting the good bacteria yeah it's probiotic fermented you... food is good for your gut I, I, I don't know how you can kill the bad bacteria but not the good bacteria well you don't kill the bad bacteria without like without antibiotics okay see probiotics don't kill them they just promote them Okay, so you're you're just getting in there, and it's the good bacteria go, ooh, pickles, yum, 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 and then the good bacteria, the good bacteria help you feel good, and you know they're finding out more and more and more that you got neurons in your brain, sure, but you also have neurons in your gut, you have neurons in your heart, and so promoting healthy gut flora uh-huh. is actually just as good for your mental health and your mental faculties. I don't know if you noticed, but the crows are circling right now. It's kind of yeah, freaking me out. Because we're talking about food, <laughs> right? <laughs> Earlier we had ducks, now we've got crows. This, oh yeah, look at that guy. This is a, oh yeah, that's a big boy. When I worked up at uh, Silver Falls, all of the uh, ravens, not the crows, the ravens, which were just yeah. massive birds compared to the crows, all had names you could identify them if you knew how to look yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is just crazy and uh, they all had personalities when you really watched them uh so yeah uh i, I was going to jump into the news but you brought that up and now, and now i have to tangent because uh <laughs> uh for years uh there was a burger king by the place that i worked and uh they had a crow who would surf the drive through line what he would do is he would fly onto the rearview mirrors of the cars and people would give him fries and onion rings and chicken nuggets and things like that. And so that crow was like three times the size that a crow needs to be. Yeah, Uh, he was this giant crow, but it was the same crow every time. And he's like, I got this system down. (laughs) I like that. Good for that bird. Mm -hmm. Uh, Somebody says here that uh, bacon should be a garnish quote. Counterpoint, bacon-wrapped dates. Have you ever had bacon-wrapped dates? But see, bacon-wrapped dates are on such a small... Yeah, that's true. It, 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 it is a garnish still. See, I agree with that, yeah. Yeah, like car- caramelized I mean, onions. The caramel is a garnish to the onion, and the onion is a garnish to uh, the caramel. Yeah, yeah, uh, You know, like, so... Somebody says, pickles or cucumbers? Soaked in evil. <laughs> Get out of here. I didn't know there were such strong opinions about pickles, uh, the The, number one fermented food on the planet. the, the, The same people who love pickles are the same people who hate pineapple on pizza, and they're wrong on both counts. That's just not... Okay, okay. I'm sorry, guys. I was inserting myself into the argument. You know, maybe that's true. I don't know. Is it true for me? Absolutely not. Love pickles. Love pineapple. Love pineapple on pizza. Put cucumbers and pineapple on the same pizza back to back. That's not that dissimilar from the pizza you had earlier. No, actually, what did you that's have on there? Yeah, so that was a it was a banh mi pizza. So it's like a Vietnamese style thing. Yeah, yeah. It was pulled pork. Okay. Uh, and it wasn't quite pickles, but it was definitely like a, like a pseudo fermented like cucumber situation. Yeah. With pickled carrots and like uh, yeah. God, what else was on there? But that's a big thing in the Vietnamese and the and the banh mi is like the pickled fermented flavor. So uh-huh. yeah, I had that like vinegar flavor. With pork and cheese and carrots and cucumbers and other stuff. I don't know if the menu was in front of me. I could tell you, but it was really good. I devoured it way too quickly on accident. Uh, we had been here for quite a while, and uh, I was trying to hold out to have some food right before the show so that I would so that I could coast through on it. But uh, then the food came later than I thought it would. Yeah, barely made it barely made I, it i am amazed. he had one piece of fish before i ate my whole pizza. i am amazed at the speed in which you ate that pizza um so Rhett got a 10 inch pizza not like a six inch or an eight inch like personal pizza but like like a legit like medium-sized pizza that could feed a family of three i, I legitimately when i got <laughs> it i was like how am i going to eat this whole thing and and so Rhett Rhett's eating his pizza and i'm like holy crap i got like three pieces of like this beautiful cod. I've got a little tartar sauce and a, and a bed of fries and whatnot. And I'm eating the first piece of fish and I finish the first piece of fish and Rhett picks up his last slice of pizza. <laughs> I went, holy crap. So good. Uh, Novella Hub says, you've been talking food so long, I'm on my second beer, which is probably a sign that we need to get into some news. So It, it might be, but you all know, especially live shows like this where we're out and about, uh, which we haven't had in a long time. No. Uh, we get into the weeds. In fact, we only put pretty much two stories in into the tech news. Uh, but if we're going to get into the tech news, we might as well start talking about today's sponsor. And believe it or not, we still have a sponsor, and that is Linode. Thank you so much, Linode, for sponsoring Talking Heads. Hosting your own servers also means you get to host all your own problems. Even the most skilled chief engineers will tell you you should decentralize your network. So why not host your services with Linode? If it runs on Linux, it'll run on Linode. That includes software for most of the tutorials you can find on my channel, like how to run your own ad blocking, recursive DNS servers, VPN gateways, your own cloud-based Plex servers, and more. They offer shared CPU plans for as little as $5 per month and can scale as high as your needs go, whether it be virtualized hosting, dedicated enterprise GPUs, or NVMe block storage. Even if you do host your own servers, you can use Linode to keep a backup off site. Because remember, RAID is not a backup. Linode also announced they are expanding at light speed with 12 new global data centers planned before the end of 2023. Visit linode.com slash and get a $100 60-day credit just for signing up for a new account. Again, that's linode.com slash and a huge thanks to Linode for again sponsoring this episode of Talking Heads. Thanks, Linode. No. You're not gonna? They've been paying me to not say it, so... Okay, whatever. there you go. You know, what are you yeah. gonna do? No no Linode jokes this time. No no alliteration, no rhyming. No, they asked me specifically to avoid all rhyming and alliterative jokes, That's so. right, that's right. Go to linode.com slash craft computing, or whatever you said. $100, 60-day credit. Yeah, go there. There you go. Why host all of your own problems, okay? I mean... Linode. You've seen my server manager, and (laughs) god, he set fire to the place. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. It's the bandwidth, sir. (laughs) (laughs) So interesting thing. Um, Obviously, we've been doing the merch for craftcomputing.store, which, by the way, go to craftcomputing.store, fill out everything you need for your home bar, and start drinking like a pro. uh so I've been doing a lot of that cutting on my my or diode laser uh in which I built myself a shelf right next to my server rack so it would be very easy to to manage the laser to to keep an eye on it and in fact I have a virtual machine that's dedicated to running uh LightBurn to run the laser cutter and so I can run it just by VNCing into that VM and then cutting whatever I need, and it's been great. Uh, the other day, I needed to get up into my attic, and the stairs for my attic, uh, the ladder for my attic, is a foldable set of, you know, the, the tri-fold ladder that like comes from out a of the home ceiling. Alone. Right, right. Or, uh, or uh, you know, the, the, the Christmas uh, movie. With, sure. With the attic, and the holes in the attic, and the guy sure. who falls through them, and they drive the station wagon, and... Vacation. Are, are you thinking of like six different Christmas movies? Christmas Vacation. Christmas Vacation. Okay. <laughs> I can't believe why I couldn't think of that name. <laughs> you literally said both of the words. Uh, yep. I did. Uh, anyway, I had to get that ladder down and uh, the server rack was always close where I could get the ladder down and if I kind of tweaked the ladder a little bit and then brought it down and then tweaked it back, it would set right in front of the server rack and I could climb up uh the the laser table doesn't let the ladder fold all the way down (laughs) so that was fun uh luckily i have a secondary entrance so i can get up on the roof of my house uh on the back side of the house and then we have a large vent that i can crawl through there you go so i can just unscrew that from the wall anyway let's go ahead and jump into some tech news uh so i don't have any slides set up for today Uh, obviously we're uh, I, I'm streaming from my GPD Win Max 2, which is a 10 and a half inch screen. So I wasn't going to divide that into four sections. Th- to... This is this is a punk rock show tonight. That's so that's right. I think so... everybody can handle it after 286 episodes. That's right. You just have to look at me, like maintain eye contact, uh, Bo Burnham, prolonged eye contact. <laughs> uh, so, boy, I was not expecting to read this when I got off the plane today. But, here we are. Uh, Asus, full of all of the negative press as far as consumer and uh, business desktop PCs over the last year or so. And Gigabyte just did the greatest hold my beer in probably consumer tech history by uh, it being revealed Gigabyte has sold hundreds of models of motherboards and potentially millions of affected customers by including a back door into, the, into a quote significant supply chain uh, uh, or a significant segment of the supply chain. Uh, this is not good. Uh, so, obviously, shared passwords are bad, okay? I think we can all kind of agree on that at this point. Uh, if if you encrypt something but everyone knows the key, then it's not encrypted. Uh, if it's all encrypted with the same key, then it's not encrypted. Uh, Gigabyte, it has been revealed, uh, has basically included a BIOS admin password backdoor on all of their motherboards for pretty much the past seven or eight years. (laughs) Uh, And those motherboards and those BIOS are uh, vulnerable to a uh, remote execution attack in which they can... Take over portions of the BIOS and get low-level access to hardware Uh, This can be configured over HTTP or HTTPS uh, As long as the S is not a certified and signed certificate Uh, If you have a business that runs on HTTPS without signed certificates You are totally vulnerable if you are a single you know, gigabyte motherboard user, you're totally vulnerable unless for some reason you have a certificate authority. Um, But uh, uh, according to Eclipseum, who is the, the primary whistleblower on this, uh, it is difficult to conclusively rule out that it is a malicious black door planned from within Gigabyte, either by malicious insider or as a result of the company's systems being compromised. Wow! It's difficult to wow. definitively rule out that the back door was planted somewhere in the supply chain. Now, this is all legitimately from a single source. And so... Part of me wants to go, holy crap, let's throw a gigabyte under the bus immediately. The other part remembers a similar story about supply chain uh, uh, injection when it comes to Supermicro and their motherboards, which turned out to be patently and provably false uh, and only ever had one source, which was Bloomberg. And Bloomberg obfuscated their sources to the point of a, a source of a source of a high-up someone, someone of a source. Uh, and not only that, but tangible evidence was never found that chips were actually implanted with storage and networking capabilities. And even if they were, firewalls exist, and you'd never be able to exfiltrate that data without detection. And so there, there was it, it was the perfect spy story, Uh, uh, of like, we injected a chip onto a motherboard, now we own the entirety of the global internet. (laughs) Uh, But without any of the proof. So it made a salacious, definitely bloggable story. Um, This one, software wise, it's much easier to, to skirt things by uh, because there's not a chief engineer overseeing the entire source development and checking everything. You, you've you got an entire team who develop BIOS, and is everyone gonna read over the, the million lines of code in the BIOS? Probably not. They're gonna verify their checks and balances and verify that each department signs off on their particular code base, and then you move on. Uh, and so a software exploit, much more Believable, uh, but uh, is the password God? No, God wouldn't be up at this hour, (laughs) (laughs) and thank you to all who got that joke. (laughs) Uh, It is alive at line Brewing, yes. Hey, there's some people from the uh, potential expo here, that's right, yeah. That was fun. Yeah, here, here, uh, for, for those who are just joining us, we are at uh, Faultline Brewing in Sunnyvale, California. Uh, beautiful little venue uh, and fantastic beer to boot. So Very good. Really can't complain about where we're at or the company we're keeping. Um, anyway, th- these are some pretty uh, hellacious and scandalous accusations, if they prove to be true. Uh, and again, this is really only coming from a single source that everyone is, is quoting. And even the source is a little bit of a he said, she said, coulda, shoulda, woulda kind of man in the middle thing where, is this attack culpable outside of a lab environment or is this actually a real world threat? Uh, UEFI rootkits have existed basically forever. Uh, as well as BIOS rootkits have existed forever. Uh, look up the origins of the uh DRM, and you, and you'll find rootkits that injected themselves into the BIOS of PCs to verify that you weren't playing Sony CDs that you didn't have a license for. Right. The greatest worry of mankind. Um, But uh, Eclipsium did publish a list of 270 motherboard models that indicate may be susceptible to this backdoor attack, Um, and has reached out to Gigabyte to address the issue, which will all likely require BIOS and or firmware updates. Uh, So the exploit itself has not been revealed as far as what is the exploit, is this a shared password, is it a backdoor or is it a vulnerability? Because those are two right. very, very different terms. Uh, and the media is kind of picking up on backdoor back when this may be simply vulnerability uh, or, or inherited trust. Or you, you could pick up so many other vernacular other than backdoor and still have it be accurate as far as our knowledge is. Uh, But the fact that they're working with Gigabyte and not disclosing the issue tells me there is legitimately an issue, tells me there is legitimately something to this, and if you run a Gigabyte board, you do probably need to worry, uh, because as soon as this vulnerability is disclosed, there's going to be attacks written on it. Um, But definitely uh, not the news I expected to see when I got off the plane this afternoon. (laughs) Pretty big. Zachary Solis says, risk is good. Four times the speed of the Pentium. Uh, Veronica likes her shirt. Thank you, Veronica. <laughs> I stand by the message. Yes. In fact, uh, Veronica, right before, uh, I think it was, was it Tuesday afternoon? Tuesday afternoon, I got in a couple of new shirts. I got your three, two, one one backup shirt, and I also got Trackball Person in, in maroon red and I am so freaking excited to wear that one. So vkc.sh, if you're interested in some of Ronica's merch, uh, she definitely has some fantastic stuff available. I'm very much a fan of her 568B uh, check sheet as well as the trackball person uh, shirt. I thought it said crackball person at first. Yeah, he he thought it said crackball. I did, legitimately, and I'm sorry. It's probably a fault of my self. Just chalk it up to a kerning issue and we'll learn we'll, we'll, we'll learn together. <laughs> All right. That went faster than expected. They always do, Jeffrey. That was, they always do. That was delicious. Can we stop using backdoor and injection in the same sentence? Right. And, and that's where this whole thing kind of breaks down for me is um, they say backdoor, but backdoor implies shared user password authentication and root level access to BIOS, whereas injection is code injection, arbitrary code execution, um, words, as I tell my kids all the time, words have meaning. And you can't disassociate words just to simplify a term. Uh, Because injection and backdoor and exploit and vulnerability, those are all very differently defined. Uh, Let me see. Uh, Can I get the tropical?
1: Tropical? Yeah.
0: He's just busting. The server will come back around. Yep, that's all right. I think he's going to take her. Yes. Uh, but backdoor injections are funny. Uh, <laughs>
1: nice. Backdoor
0: injections are fun. Nice. Uh, backdoor injection crack smoke. Uh, that's not the kind of backdoor that Sus Aaron was talking about. <laughs> uh, so yeah. Uh, this whole story is very much brand new. And honestly, there's not a lot of technical data to go along with it other than there has been a vulnerability discovered that could affect 270 different models of gigabyte motherboards and will likely be the BIOS updates. But is this a backdoor? Because backdoor is something completely different right. in that context. Right. Where the, the matter, folks? Are they watching your live stream so they know when to get you a beer? Uh, no, they've actually just been fantastically attentive and so they will, they'll walk around and uh, first off we've been here since like 1.45 this afternoon <laughs> and uh, god we had some onion rings that were delectably good. Uh, what else have we had here? A lot of beer, a lot of beer. Pizza? Yeah, you, you had <laughs> an entire pizza to yourself. We just been hanging out. We, you know, we were talking with the staff and stuff before the show started, and, yeah. and like, you know, they're the ones that hooked us up with a spot over here where we got power, where we got internet, where we've got yep. a, a nice view, where it's away from the music and the speakers that they're that they're blasting sound over. And yeah, so the, and the rest there's of the there's no uh, there's no you know copyright takedown threats from where we're at right now. Right, so. uh, that they, they do have. Music and obviously TV playing pretty much in every corner of this place, beautiful construction. I love the building. Yeah, I do the, the building is absolutely gorgeous. Uh, Ford concrete floors all throughout. They've got ramps and different levels that are all you know very well sloped and, and, and awesome looking. Uh, they've, they've got curtains and, and can lights and, and all kinds of, you know, fairy lights and things like that hanging everywhere. Uh, mostly cedar construction from the looks of it. Uh, gorgeous tongue and groove and 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 beam cedar all over the place. It's fantastic. I, I if I could build a set that looked like this, I absolutely would. That'd be nice. Yeah. That'd be nice. Yeah. Hop on over to craftcompeting.store. There you go. Make our dreams a reality. Yeah uh exuded says ah ceiling i am a few sheets to the wind (laughs) ah ceiling yes german techno music playing no actually it's been a lot of like the greatest of the 80s and early 90s it's been fantastic there was uh some tlc uh what was it uh scrub was playing earlier (laughs) yes it was ain't gonna get yeah we got we got down to scrub yeah we got down to scrub uh yeah, the, the, so so think of TLC Scrub and then hit Random on, on Spotify, and that's pretty much the playlist that's been going on here, and it's been fantastic. I, I've been really digging the overall vibe of this place. Uh, but... Uh, Definitely happened. Like like I said, we've been here since about 145 and while it wasn't like packed when we walked in, it was a good healthy kinda kind of oh, yeah. energy. And as we're getting into dinner time and a little later, a lot of people rolling in. Definitely a happening place. And the beer's pretty fantastic. So there we go. Novella Hub says ZFS Scrub. <laughs>
1: uh,
0: Thank you very much.
1: Cheers.
0: Cannot beat the service here. Let me tell you. <laughs> uh, Absolutely. Oh yeah. So this is their tropical IPA. It's about now. We're doing a, We're doing another thing. We're doing a podcast. Podcast. <laughs> we're live right now. Say hi, everyone. <laughs> They thought that we looked like the trivia booth. Let's see. In fact, Which, I, I think I can flip this we can, around. We kind of do look like the trivia booth. So. There we go. Now say hi. Camera's at you. Say hi. Hello. <laughs> there we go. One person. Anyway. There we go. This is a fun new camera. I've been really having fun with this. I can't tell you what it is yet, but uh, it's it's been cool. Yeah. We've been getting down with this one today, so... Mm. Nice and portable, compacts, and uh it yeah. gets around, literally. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we're running this entire broadcast today on a single USB-c cable. Like that's I plugged in my laptop, which is the the GPD WinMax 2, so I've I've got a 10-inch screen in front of me. Um, we are encoding. Uh, with AMD hardware encoding, we've got the Rode Wireless Go 2, so we've each got a microphone. And obviously there's some some background noise that's happening, but at the same time I think we're being picked up all the same. Yeah, Skull said we sound good, so, you yeah. know, and if there's a little bit of background noise, uh, it's just uh, the punk rock nature of the show tonight. That's so. right, that's right. Uh, did I just see Rev? No, unfortunately we did reach out to Rev. He's still like two hours away from where we're at. Uh, so Rev is one of our, our mods, longtime mod, one of my longest tenured patrons on the server. And uh, yeah, he is, uh, he's just a couple hours north of us still. Uh, Unfortunately, we didn't have enough notice. Like I said, we just found out like Thursday that we were going to be down here, so. That, and when you're not from a place, mm -hmm. right, you look at a map and you go, well, that's just right there, but it's like a two-hour drive. It's a hop, skip, and a (laughs) jump, but then you forget that California is 940 miles tall. And so you're looking at it and you go, well, it's it's just there on the map. Like, it's not that bad. Heck yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah, audio is okay. You're clearer than the background uh, chaos. Yeah, there's a lot of chaos in the background. There definitely is. It is. It is loud in here. Um, <laughs> hold on. My my wife is calling me right now. Uh, so you're live on the air. By the way, it's Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> Hi. <laughs> nice. Nicely done. <laughs> I was going to call him at 8 o'clock after the show's done, and she started uh, video chatting me. So I'm like, okay. Maybe she forgot it was Wednesday. Maybe she thought I wasn't doing a show, but either way. Uh, video and voice sync is a bit off. Actually, I think that's a bit of an OBS problem. Let me resync that and see if that helps. Uh, In fact, that looks better on my preview now. Um, One thing I will say is OBS sometimes with webcams has a tendency to drift the longer you go. Yeah. Um, And so. After an hour of recording. After an hour of of being on the air, sometimes with a USB webcam it'll desync a little bit. Because if you're running at 59.95 and then you're actually broadcasting at 60, 5 hertz makes a difference. Or 0.05 hertz makes a difference. Uh, hello, caller. You're on the air. Yeah, no, that's what I should have done. <laughs> yes, the producer checks in. Uh, so I, I, so I don't know if anyone heard her, but uh, I, I said, "Hey, uh, you're, you're live right now." And she goes, "Okay. Well, then I will say good night." And she hung up on me. Classic producer behavior. Mm-hmm. Classic producer behavior. Reverend says it's only ni- it's only eighty miles. Well, then I don't know why he's not here. I used to commute 80 miles to work every day. But I, but like I was saying, see, it's like, uh, you know, I know we're not in L.A., but I, I, I was doing a podcast with a game developer from L.A., and he was asking, well, how far are you from Portland? And I said, well, I'm about an hour, you know, give or take. Some mm-hmm. days it's better, some days it's worse. And he goes, hey, I'm from LA. An hour down here means a vastly different thing than it does up there. Right. I need, I need a concrete. I need miles. Yeah. I need the king's miles, friend. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, that just always change. Like you know, wherever I go, I'm like, what is an hour to these people in drive time? You know, like. <laughs> Yeah, uh, 80 miles, I used to commute that and that was like, uh, you know, that was like a 90 minute commute. Yeah. No, I, uh, I I used to do almost 50 miles one way and that was an hour and five. Hour and three if there was no traffic, hour and ten if there was. Yeah. Like, like it was, like I, I had it down to a science and lane changes and everything. Yeah, yeah. Uh, And so, yeah, it's... You're like, well, the light behaves this way after 3 o'clock, so... Right. Light (laughs) behaves this way. You know what? This lane moves this way, and I need to be in this lane anyway, so I'm going to bypass all the left turners off of this street. Yeah, and uh, the the fun thing about my commute was it was 50% highway and 50% city, and so it's not like I could bomb through a section. Yeah. You, You had to go through everything, and it was like 15 minutes of each. Like it like in staggered sections, right? Oh boy! Ah, good stuff, good stuff. Uh, so this again is the the Faultline uh, Brewing Tropical IPA. It's about six point seven percent very very citrusy very very sweet citrus it is it is very much pineapple guava passion fruit uh mandarin orange like it it's super it's very juicy it's very bright could have got this in the cask could have got it in the cask although Dare I say I like it better from the keg with CO2. That's fine. I, I really do. I don't think do. there's anything wrong with that. Yeah, so Rhett had one earlier where it was uh, from the cask, and it was a wildly different beer at Cellar Temp with no added CO2. It really was. Completely different. Um, but uh, I like this one. I, I, like, I like my bright you know, citrusy, sweet IPAs. It's very much a soft spot for me. And, uh, man, this is all of that. I'm okay with that. Uh, uh, We do have another story to get to. And uh, that is a... Let's just say it's a quote from NVIDIA CEO Jensen Wong. Um, So... <sighs> obviously the focus this year at Computex has been yes, sir. Can I get the uh, red ale the Sorry, yeah, red ale? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, obviously the focus of Computex this year has been in AI and really it's the writing's been on the wall for a lot of the consumer industry that AI is where a lot of the tech companies want to start focusing. Intel, AMD, Nvidia, they are all kind of shifting gears away from even consumer and even enterprise stuff as far as let's add AI engines and AI algorithms to our existing silicon so consumers, not not even really consumers, but so enterprise can write bespoke applications to take advantage of AI processing within our individual nodes. And that's been a trend that's been building since... Really, since NVIDIA introduced CUDA into, into the mix, later on, Tensor Cores, which the Tensor Cores were the AI cores and why everyone always needed to buy Quadros and, and Tesla cards. And now, though those Tensor Cores and the RT cores, the ray tracing cores, have made their way into even consumer hardware. And they're saying, how can we take advantage of AI processing? Both at the consumer level and at the enterprise level. So if we're going to devote so much energy into enterprise R and D, we can still get something out of it on the consumer side, which is why we now have ray tracing because it's all AI. It, it, it goes AI goes all the way down the stack. Um, but uh, Jensen in his first uh, keynote, first keynote since. 2019? Yeah, before COVID. Yeah. Um uh, has a quote from Computex uh about the current state of AI and it might catch some people off guard and and kinda Ooh, yeah. l- l- let's just read it. Quote, when asked about NVIDIA and AI and why they're investing so much and what is the future of AI, Jensen Huang said, Agile companies will take advantage of AI and boost their positions, and, and boost their position. Companies less so will perish. Huang told graduating students, according to experts of his speech by Bloomberg, Quote, while some will worry that AI will take their jobs, someone who is an AI expert will. Uh, And I'm looking for the food quote. Where was the food quote at? Oh, yeah. Either you are running for food or you are running from becoming food. (laughs) That's some pretty draconian BS. Yeah. Straight out of the gate. Um, you you got to come at it from a viewpoint like NVIDIA. Like I, I turned on the news this morning in my car and I was driving around and it's like everything on NPR and, and all this was about NVIDIA's market cap going up. And they have taken their position as the sixth largest company on the planet behind companies like... Apple and uh, and so on. Yeah, and they are comfortably dominating as a chip manufacturer. Thank you so much. And uh, we good? We good? Uh, we have eighty five percent battery. Hell yeah, we do. Hell yeah, we do. Thank you, Rhodes. Thank you, Rhodes. Thank you, thank you, Randy Rhodes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know if, if that's who did it, but uh, these things are amazing. Randy Rhodes is the guitar player, the original guitar player, I think, for uh, like Ozzy Osbourne. You know, like uh, okay. Crazy Train. I think. Okay, yeah, think yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Uh, anyway, point being is um, country Road. No, Crazy Train. Okay. Country road. You said country road. roads. Yeah. Randy that's, Rhodes. That's what I was doing. Okay, just get out of here. <laughs> No joking or having fun on the show while I'm talking. You're going to confuse me. Red has drank way too much to understand any of this. Like I was saying, NVIDIA, this is the talk of a person whose company has firmly taken their position at the top of the food chain. Top of of the food chain of the AI realm. Because he's thinking about what else can I say to get another 5% market cap? What else can I say to get more investors? You're either a shark or you're a sheep. Yeah, what are you? Exactly. Um, and while Sharks are winners. Well, I think it's kind of true. And one of the things that really, like, apparently blew the socks off of people at this big keynote address from NVIDIA at Computex was this uh, demonstration of their new AI engine. I think they call it... Uh, NVIDIA Ace or something like that I, yeah. I, I don't have it in front of me but NVIDIA Ace which was like their AI game engine all of a sudden now they're promising you can have real conversations Omniverse Multiverse Yeah Metaverse Avatar Cloud Engine Yeah Omniverse Ace It, it is NVIDIA's version of the Metaverse And their idea is that this is something you can tell totally took <laughs> off Right. <laughs> they they did a demonstration in Computex of like somebody talking like oh hello, I'd like to buy po well I didn't see it, I don't know what it is, but right it was supposed to be a video game demonstration. I'd like to buy potions and like well screw you, we don't sell potions at this establishment, but I'd be happy to make it- I don't know what they said. But anyway, the point being somebody talked to them in real time, the AI responded to them in real time. The AI was having a conversation with the player. And live, unprompted, right. unprogrammed right. conversation about the game universe. Right. And there's there's been some chatter and there's actually been a couple of mods released that you can do this in Skyrim. Yeah. Uh, with the help of chat GPT as well as voice models right. of, of all of the different voice actors and characters that are within the game. And so you can ask your house car, Lydia, where she trained. Right. And, and she will give you a verbose explanation right. of why she became a housecarl and what is her role within the Kingdom of Whiterun and why yeah. why she is your steward and chooses that life right. and and everything else. And uh, it's it's a really weird uh, but very interesting well Right and and I think what's more is like so this is this quote about food you will either becoming the becoming the food or eating the food or whatever he said you will either be running to get food or right. running to right, right to and that's, not become and that's food. what all of these companies are really viewing AI as right he's saying it's a gold rush right now who can go and capture the gold who can go and take advantage of this new resource and of course you have to say that before people can begin to say like well wait a minute what are the drawbacks right because if you can go and talk with Lydia and Skyrim about whatever it is that you want to talk about and say well geez how did you become so prominent in Skyrim and all of a sudden you're having a conversation guess what a lot of conversations in real life are not all that interesting you know what really stands apart from conversations in video games from video games to real life Every conversation in a video game is interesting. It points somewhere. It does something. Because somebody wrote it with the intention of making the game fun. Yeah. Now, if you're having a real conversation prompted with some sort of AI hey, engine. how was your day, Lydia? Right, right. Oh, my God. What do you want to have for dinner, Lydia? Well, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> and it's like all of a sudden they're, 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 there's are giant so drawbacks. Giant's toenail again. And the thing is, is like you're thinking about this from NVIDIA. You're thinking about this from NVIDIA. Of course, they want you to buy in 100%. Yeah. Remember when Radiant AI was the new hotness? Uh, Bethesda had produced this new new AI thing that they were going to implement in Oblivion. Radiant AI. The AI, the the NPCs are going to be able to live their own lives, perform their own tasks independent and free of the player. And what they found with it was that it was too smart. If, an, if they had all of these, these wants and needs, and sometimes if their wants really were too high or their need was too high, the lengths that they would go to satisfy it would be pretty great. Like if a guy really wanted to sweep a street, and the player had come by in the middle of the night and stolen his broom, his need to sweep the street would outweigh whatever morality, other and-, and he would go and kill somebody to take their broom. Yeah. And all of a sudden, everybody's killing each other to take their brooms. You'd he, he, wake up, there's a random dead villager in the street, and the guy's <laughs> sweeping up going, I didn't see nothing. Right. That was a huge drawback that they had from this really popular big technology advancement that they were pushing constantly. And eventually, they ironed it out. They, they smoothed it out. They really had to tone down the wants and needs. And there were mods that expounded upon that and brought that back out. Like the OOO mod was a really, really big one back in the Oblivion days that yep. brought out that. And with OOO mod in a certain aspect, there were sometimes you could go to clear dungeons and NPCs had already cleared the dungeons before you. Because they were living full lives. I, free and I, I'm uncomfortable how close we are to Morrowind right now. Yeah, I'm working on it. I'm trying to get us there. I, okay? I, I know, We I took know. us from Skyrim. I brought us to Oblivion. I, I, I went to Skyrim gonna us, on, oh, God. I'm going to take us safely in for landing I, I, back I have, to Morrowind. How many Kevin Bacons are we away from Morrowind? You want to hear one of the first things that I saw for ChatGPT, the, Chat, the the ChatGPT sort of like voiceover engine thing you're talking about? It wasn't for Oblivion. It wasn't for Skyrim. Somebody programmed Dagath Ur from Morrowind to uh-huh. have conversations with people programmed by ChatGPT. Yes. So, uh, it was cool and, and interesting. Um, Tech Geek chimes in, $5. Thank you very much, Tech Geek. Uh, no jokes or fun while I'm talking. Yeah, Rhett, no jokes or fun while I'm talking. I fun love that they know I'm your I'm last name. <laughs> well, it's because it's my YouTube handle, unfortunately. I know. It's, it's... Isn't your YouTube handle still Red is Awesome? No. It's... I thought it was. I don't know how to change it. Rhett must run a tight ship at the office. I really do, I really do. He tries. Skyrim GPT. See, look, chat publicly is Red right, Weisenfels. Okay. What are you going to do? Wow. Originally, my, my handle on YouTube was. You, you, you got sucked into the YouTube, let's use all of our real names and all the trolling will go away. No. And, and all of a sudden, my real name was Bodie McBoatface? <sighs> no. I My original username on YouTube was Red is awesome. Mm-hmm. And when I tried to join Google Plus, Ah, see, that's where they got you. I tried to join Google Plus years ago, and it converted my YouTube handle to Rhett Weisenfeld's, and it never let me change back. So I just never worried about it. I said, screw it. I never post or do anything on here that I don't stand by. So, (laughs) Right? Including no jokes or having fun while I'm talking. (laughs) Fun is outlawed from Faultline Brew. No, I'm kidding. Right, right. No fun here. No fun zone, especially with their uh, delicious Bel- and delightful beers—Belgian Bel- Tripel or this delightful tropical IPA—or even this uh, this bold and flavorful Northwest Red Ale. He's not standing here. You don't have to. Who? The waiter. I know. I'm talking to. I'm talking to them. Talking to them. Okay. The, those okay. people. Those people. Okay. Gotcha. <laughs> gotcha. Well, who else would I be talk- I could tell that the waiter's not here, Jeff. He talks like this all the time. It's really hard to tell. Yeah. I got to always Hey, hey Rhett, how's it going? Well, I'm just having this bold, crisp red ale from... I'm sorry. You know how hard it is to be on all the time? I don't know when Jeff's rolling cameras at the office, okay? I don't want to look like an idiot, okay? You know? So I just keep it on. So, so it ends up looking like... MTV's real-world season one where the camera kind comes in and out of focus and Rhett's like I Always do this the foundation to every day is a healthy breakfast Thanks Cheerios Have you seen real real world season one season one? Yes Wow this Guy am I right kind of lacking in taste? I didn't say when I saw it. I just said that I've seen it. Oh boy. You He, got a watches, problem? he watches Real World. I didn't say when I watched it. I, wa- I was a full grown adult. It was just a couple of weeks ago. I was not. I was a, an adolescent still. Oh wow. Can't be held responsible for back then. Am I right, guys? That's exactly right. <laughs> Anyways, this whole AI thing is kind of wild. And like I was saying, the idea is NVIDIA has to strike while the iron's hot. They're sixth largest company on the planet. And they got to make you believe that their, their product, their technology is the future. So they can become fifth largest. Company on the planet. There are holes in it. I talked about the boring conversations. But one of the other things that they were talking about in my Game Dev Discord is this idea that it's like consumers are not gonna have the compute power to run these AI, you know, programs or algorithms on their on their PCs. That's gonna be cloud compute. So you're gonna buy the next, you're gonna buy Elder Scrolls 7, and you're gonna want the AI voice engine or whatever it is so that you can talk about the weather and their birthdays and what they want for dinner. Yeah, And you're going to have to sign in to Bethesda.com or whatever it might be and you're going to have to always be on. have a constant cloud connection and then when they decide to stop running that service that service ends and that game ceases to function at least in the bounds of what you expected it to do. Right. And I, I think that's a huge bummer because number one already no one really likes always connected gameplay for single-player games. You know, Ubisoft gets a lot of crap for this. All of Sony's ports get a lot of crap for this. Um, People just want to play single-player games. We want DRM-free. We want all of this sort of stuff. And that doesn't mean that we're pirating it or we're stealing it or whatever. It just means that we want the hassle-free implication of owning or having, possessing, The thing which we paid money for. I I buy so many games, and if the game, to me, is worth keeping, if it hasn't always online DRM, I will download a crack copy later on. Yeah. Because I don't want to be beholden to that. And and honestly, DMCA be damned. Oh, crap, I'm still on YouTube. Uh, I I feel it's within my right. Like, like I bought a license to the software. I didn't, and, and while I accepted the license agreement of, you know, I will always be online and and connect to EA servers. Scouts honor. Um, I, I've always felt a little disingenuous because I know at one point if that server goes offline, I'm going to find a way to crack it. Look, all of this, all of the uh, user agreements are garbage anyway because nobody really reads them. Nobody yeah. really reads them. Almost none of them are enforceable in court. Right. Uh, if you go to court, it's through arbitration anyway. And so if EA wants to take you to court for breaking the license agreement, they've also agreed to arbitration. Remember that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think that that's a huge drawback of what we're looking down with the barrel of this AI stuff. And, and and somebody in my Discord server said this. And maybe you think that AI is the future of games. And I will wait to, to see myself. I don't really know. You know, Jeff and I have talked a lot about how AI and all of these new use cases can be implemented by smaller teams to do bigger and more ambitious projects to cut project times down. And I think that that's an interesting and cool use case as far as implementing in the game. I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna wait and see. I, I'm still, uh, I'm, I'm not on widescreen yet, so uh, you know. <laughs> Self-confessed widescreen Luddite here. Um, We've we've talked at length about AI and the, the implications when it comes to gaming, but specifically when it comes to the implications of game development. And while I don't think it's right that an AI would take the job of an artist who would curate an individual experience, I also feel that AI as a tool set should not be ignored by either the artist or the developer, because well, you're either you're either getting food or you're running from or being you're running food. from being food, right? So, um, and look, if if it were up to human development alone and not the development of languages we would all still be running BASIC <laughs> uh, games are not programmed in BASIC I don't know if you knew that uh, and so the the development of, of C++ and the development of platforms like Unity and Unreal and things like that are new tools that developers can use to their advantage to tell the stories they want to tell and envelop a player in, in environments they want to put them in <laughs> um drawing the line at AI feels like a very arbitrary line yeah. and, and and saying, no, we're never going to cross that threshold. We're already there. And if you're not crossing the threshold and if you're not using that as a tool set, you're falling behind yeah. because I don't think there's anything wrong with algorithmically developed terrain or planets, unless or it's in No Man's Sky, then he has a problem. But I only had a problem because it didn't work. It worked for me. Yeah, my, mile wide and an inch deep. That's fine. I played the mile deep games, my friend. Right, but this one was promised mile yeah, wide, yeah, and mile yeah, deep, yeah, and it yeah, wasn't. yeah, yeah. We've had this conversation a thousand times. But it also took you 13 hours to find out there's nothing once you get off the surface. You say that all the time, and I just want to say, how on God's green earth did it take you 13 hours? And that's fine. Because... You took your time, you experienced the game, you had fun, you explored and played, you didn't rush it. I get it. I get it. But it doesn't stop me from thinking. If... (laughs) <laughs> it, it, if, if a game promises, like, a 100 hours of gameplay, I'm not going to rush through the story and try to beat it in five. What I'm going to do is I'm going to go, you know what, if they promised a 100, I'm going to stretch this to two. And... Yeah, I could see the, the objective out there to, you know, finish building my ship and doing this. Do you, do you not think that if they say we have 100 hours of gameplay and you go into it expecting to get 200 hours of gameplay that you have set yourself up for failure? I, I, 100 is not 200. I know it's not. <laughs> but, you know, you, you may have a slight point there. But get games that expect me to take my time, I like to take even more time with. Get games that I get yeah. into, and it's like, it's a 10-hour campaign, I might take 12. Yeah. Uh, games that say they're 100, yeah. I'm going to get into the weeds because I know there's nothing I can do to accelerate that. All I can do is enjoy the ride. Sure. And so, yes, there's a little bit of that, but you have to see the counterpoint of like, If I'm going to be here, I might as well be here. As a a person, as your friend who's heard this, I totally get what you're saying. Uh, We've had all these conversations uh, offline. I totally get what you're saying. With way more cursing. And they've seen the conversations on the show before, too. I get what you're saying. I really do. I just, uh, I reject, I reject a lot of the criticism that No Man's Sky gets. Just... Just on principle, I reject it today. Did I reject it at the time? No. I tried to get a refund at the time. Yeah. And you know what? If you had played for 90 minutes and felt gypped... Oh, that's an awful word. Sorry, guys. Uh, if you had played it for 90 minutes and had felt unsatisfied... Uh, you know, I, I, a refund you could have—you could have been within your rights. But 13 hours you got out of it—that's more than I've got out of a lot of games. That is true, uh, but again, I was kind of promised yeah. like, you know, infinite building. And and for a lot of those 13 hours, I was like exploring that one planet, trying yeah. to get the most out of it, finding new resources. But all I ever found was aluminum and uranium. And I'm going there's got to be something deeper in this cave. And I kept diving deeper, and it's like, nope, just more aluminum. Okay. Yeah. Oh, look, a copper deposit. Cool. Like, I don't have enough of that. And, and so I was kind of taking my time, but at the same time... I get it. I could have gotten off World in 90 minutes and discovered the same thing. So the fact that I took my time doesn't necessarily not implicate the game as far as bait-and-switch from the trailers, either. Yeah. I mean, let, yeah. Let, let, let's go back and look at the <coughs> the trailer that Sean Murray put forth as yeah, far yeah, as the yeah. curated you know, welcome to Jurassic Park. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and everybody and always brings this one up. Did you ever see that video? It was amazing. Of course I saw the video. Yeah. Oh yeah, um, I saw it. With the, fa- with the sad horns. Yeah, with yeah. the sad horns. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was a staple like every Thursday at my office. Someone would play that that video. <laughs> it was great. Yeah, it's interesting. The whole timeline on it is, is kind of interesting to me. And, and I haven't done the due diligence that I need to in this, but I have thought for a long time that my own recollection of the timeline of Promises versus what they showed in the showcase versus all of these things were... Um, we're not exactly what the pub public consciousness had picked up on. Um, also, you have to get behind the Sony hype machine that was No Man's Sky. As like, we're bringing indie games into AAA form factor. Yeah. We are infusing these studios with cash. Oh, by the way, you better deliver this now. And they're like, we're not ready. And they're like, we said now. Now. And all of a sudden you're delivering a game that's literally a beta of even an alpha of what you wanted it to be. You know what's crazy, though? I have paid more money for worse games than what we got on day one of of No Man's Sky. I I will say that, too, but I also tried to get refunds for some of those. Yeah, but I'm talking, like, before refunds was a thing, you know, like, I'm talking before, like, you know... I don't know. You're right. I, I have paid high dollars for, like, Superman 64. For StarCraft 64. And StarCraft 64 I, I, was good. I, I, but, whoa, 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 StarCraft whoa, 64 whoa. was good. No. Yes, it was. You just didn't have a PC. No, I had a PC, but I also had an N64. I also wanted to see more than six pixels for an SCV. It's, it's weird because my memory of like playing Brood War and playing Starcraft 64 are the same, except I had more fun playing N64 with my friends on the TV in my living room. Because none of your friends were good enough to own PCs. It's not that we weren't good enough, it's that we are all really broke. That's what I'm at. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, we had all of the same things. We ha- I could play football. I could play football. I had a bunch of mods built into Starcraft 64. I had split-screen multiplayer. Yeah. The campaign mode was there. Okay, yeah, you're right. No, the, the full campaign, all, all three stages. Uh, let me get a pink boot. Pink boots. I have never once played a campaign of an RTS on the PC, but I have played... I have played Starcraft 64 cam, uh, 64's campaign. I have played RTS, camp. oh, and I played Warcraft 2's Warcraft campaign on the PlayStation 1. But I never played other campaigns on PC. You probably played Diablo on PlayStation. No, I played that on PC. Okay, 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 oh, thank God. <laughs> I was really worried I was going to have to find another editor. But I do uh, think that the I do think that Xbox's version of Morrowind is the definitive version of Morrowind. I do. You're all lucky that when I made my the Morrowind video for Craft Extra that it wasn't just Xbox screen cap. Xbox screen cap. <laughs> oh God. I thought about it. I got I don't know that I could out. live with myself if I allowed that to hit air. Uh, I <laughs> it, it's better. It runs. Here's the deal, though. Modern day, modern day Morrowind. It's it, the experience is getting better on PC than it was like ten years ago. Yeah. Like, and then ten years before that, it was great because it ran native and there was no issues, there was no problems. Yeah. But in like 2013, it was kind of difficult to run Morrowind successfully on your PC. Yeah. But I had been playing it on my Xbox originally, played it on my PC briefly, it went out of style on PC, and it was really difficult to get mods to work, to get all this stuff to work. I had constant crashing issues, especially if you're running it on Steam. Seam overlay would just crash Morrowind like instantly. Yep. Um, And so I would play it on my Xbox, you know. Thank you so much. Because it was stable, it worked. There were we we should do more shows at tap houses. I know they just bring you beers and stuff. Uh, and on Morrowind, there was some frame frame drops and stuff like that, and load times were pretty bad. But load times weren't great on PC before, like five years ago, anyways. You know, like he's not wrong. Before before uh, OpenMW came, uh, which is a full uh, Morrowind engine that runs natively on modern systems. Yeah. Um, Runs more when load times were abysmal. Now they're good. Like OpenMW is optimized for modern systems. So, yeah. Um, anyway, I don't know. Um, plus, honestly, the UI, the UI, inter- the interface and everything on Xbox uh, was just so much faster. Than PC, like when you think about the interface the, for the, Skyrim, the the, the the load times and the the UI interactions were faster in Morrowind on the Xbox than they were on PC. When you play Skyrim on PC, the UI is pretty intuitive and it's pretty simple. And you can jump back and forth between a gamepad or your mouse and keyboard pretty easily and have no problems. But it wasn't that way on Morrowind. In fact, like the kind of typical RPG control scheme that we have now because of games like Oblivion and Fallout 3 and so on, It wasn't really a thing, like E is the action button, that wasn't Morrowind. Space was the action button, Um, like right-click as like your shield or your right-hand control. Control was still Crouch. Right. Was it yeah. or oh, no? It no, wasn't C or Z or X or something. Yeah, no, it was uh, C was crouch. Control yeah. was something different. Because and right control, click control might have been attack. Might have. No, I don't know about attack, but uh, uh, but, but right clicking opened your menu, your inventory, and your spells. If, and your map If you go into that, like, 90s FPS, where you're using uh, the arrow keys for directions, and so forward, back, left, right, 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 and I mean like turn left, turn. Right, you're not. Your right hand's not on your mouse. Uh, your left hand was on Control Shift Alt Z X C, and so often those were the controls. So Shift was always Sprint and always will be Sprint. Space was activate. Right. Space was Space was what we know E to be today. Right. Yeah. Um. Control often was primary fire, with alt as secondary fire. Right. C was crouch, X was jump, and Z was activate. <laughs> or, and Z was something else. It was weird. It was weird back then. Yeah. I mean, I've been looking at doing a, uh, a video on Gothic 1 and 2. And you want to look at like where the deviation for like modern control schemes happen. Look at Gothic, Gothic uh, Two versus Morrowind. They both came out the same year. Morrowind's control scheme took off a little bit more, was more popular. Gothic was this really weird, like bastard child of control schemes where you would, you would use the arrow keys to move and run and turn. Like forward was this, left would like physically turn your body. Yeah, and and all that. And um, and then to to engage with the world, you held the control key and then tapped the arrow keys for different things. So if you wanted to open a chest, you'd hold control and press forward. Um, and that's how you would attack. You'd have your sword out. You'd hold control, press forward, or you could press left or right, and it would swing your sword different directions. You know. Yeah. And compare that control scheme, you know, the Eros versus WASD and Mouse for Morrowind and Oblivion and so on. Yeah. You know, and those those two games, Gothic Two and Morrowind came out the same year. And they were both arguably very big titles. But Gothic uh, suffered a little bit from like, you know, what they like what what you kind of consider these days is like the Eurojank aspect, right? It's just like slightly Less familiar to Western audiences and, like, uh, in terms of the control scheme and maybe even the content, I don't know. Right. Than Morrowind was, which was made by an American game company. Uh, gothic was a great game with a lot of great content and a lot of great ideas and really but the but the execution and the implementation and the way that the player interacted with it was yeah. not necessarily like i think what an american player was used to and so i don't know and it's kind of wonky and it's kind of janky and it's kind of weird but yeah like it's still a great game you know and supposedly supposedly gothic 3 holds up Supposedly, that game was like supposed to be incredible, uh, especially like after a couple patches and some like uh, expansions and stuff. But I could never get the dang thing to run on my PC ever. I I did play Gothic Three, and I I thoroughly enjoyed it as as kind of kind of one of the the early modern role playing games. Right. Uh, so so obviously you have games like. Diablo and and uh, and and black and white that kind of defined what is a role playing game on the PC. What do you want? What do you expect out of it? What what play time do you want to get out of it? Um, but uh, no, it was always enjoyable. Yeah. Um, yeah steve said uh, that uh gothic had apple tobacco so it was far superior and i remember like pitching gothic to my friends and i was like look in gothic you can smoke weed <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> because they had swamp weed that's what they called it mm-hmm. and the people that lived in the swamp would just hang out and smoke swamp weed all day uh how did we hold on Did tracking get in it? Hold on. Yeah, it's tracking, tracking red. Ah yeah. oh, no. Yeah. How did that happen? I don't know. Hold on. We'll there get we back. Go. There we go. Sorry. All right. Uh, it was funny because earlier it would only track me. Like if both of us were in the scene, it was like, no, I like Jeff Moore. No, and there it goes again. Whatever, I'm happy to be center. All right, so we're reviewing this camera right now. Karen says, Karen says I've been a PC gamer my whole life because my family would never buy consoles and my mom hated violent video games, AKA shooters. So it wasn't until I was in high school that I played them. And what's interesting is like, I was a console game player kind of for the opposite reason, right? Like. You know, I, I think, like, buying a Nintendo is cheaper than a PC and you had access to all this stuff, but I started getting into PC games when I was older, like, in middle school, because my stepmom had a, a computer, and when I would get in trouble, when I would get in trouble in school, she would ground me from playing video games. But in her opinion, video games and computer games we're not the same. Right. So I could play My parents were kind of the same way where it's like, "Can I play the Nintendo?" and and in my case it was like the Nintendo right. or sometimes the Super Nintendo. And they're like, "No." And I'm like, "Well, can I go get on the computer?" Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and so and that was I, my childhood. So it's like, is there any doubt why I'm a PC gamer? It's because I had unfettered access to the PC, yeah. where my console access was very limited. Right, and and I couldn't play I couldn't play my console games, but I could go and play Age of Empires for hours and hours and hours. So, yeah. which is like, it's a video game. It's a freaking you know, nobody watching this thinks that Age of Empires is not a video game, but for some reason, my stepmom had it in her head that computer games on average as a whole were more educational and less entertainment, which it was, might've been true at the time, you know, but you still had, you still had lots of games that probably weren't, I don't know, but... All the games I'm thinking of that I played and had access to definitely had elements that were not quite present in console games yeah. at the time. Like thinking of Thief, thinking of the the whole system in Thief with the guards and dousing lights and doing all yeah. that. Yeah. Half-Life uh, One. I, I, I'm thinking of like even all the way back to like Tank Wars with with geometry and bounce and yeah. trajectory and and whatnot. Yeah. No, there's definitely a point to. Early console games were focused purely on the physics that exists within that world. Like the platforming became popular. Right. You know? And that was a game. There was no educational benefit. If you're jumping as as Mario and try, that was fun. That was a game. But if you're figuring out how to harvest wheat uh, to get Calvary to go and uh, duke it out with the Britons, well, that was educational. That's you right. Know? It's historical. <laughs> I'm, I'm recreating battles of worlds past. Yeah. One game I loved, Black and White, uh, you know, you had to train your godly animals to behave in the ways that you wanted them to behave. Yeah. That was educational for some reason. It just slapping the crap out of your animal when it misbehaved, you know. <laughs> We played wildly different versions of Black and White. <laughs> <laughs> you don't remember slapping your animal? I don't. Well, you could pet it, hide it stuff you wanted. I and remember. You could slap I it. remember that, but I was a better person than you. Well, I did the evil playthrough and I did the good playthrough. Okay, through. okay, okay. The black playthrough and the white playthrough. I I definitely have an evil femme chef playthrough. Exactly. Of course you do. Yeah. you were talking about Red Dead Redemption. You're the only person I know that had a dishonorable ending. How could you do that to Arthur? How could you do that to Arthur? And you're over here chastising me slapping a fictional animal from Black and White? You're goddamn right I am. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, no. uh, So what's really funny is I'll I'll go through two different uh, Mass Effect playthroughs. Uh, Mass Effect on the... If if I'm playing as a male Shep is always is always paragon if i'm why playing, why is this let's I, get to the deep seated issues here. i don't know <laughs> but when i'm playing as fem Shep, i am evil af <laughs> i am like i don't care about you i don't care about your kids i don't care about your family i care about me let and me guess mine you didn't even reverse the uh genophage as Femshep. you nope. it's like nah screw the krogan I don't want them to come back from the brink. No, the Solarian was right. We, need, <laughs> we really do need to put the hammer down and make sure this doesn't evolve. And then at the end of Mass Effect Two, for the suicide mission or whatever, you're just like, screw them all. I don't need my party for Mass yeah. Effect Three. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly right. Love uh, it. The only one who survives is Garrus. <laughs> of course. Like that's it. Everyone else, good as dead. Oh yeah, you save the cop as (laughs) FemShep. Well, you really do do the evil (laughs) playthrough. I kill Rex in in Mass Effect One. Oh yeah, you can just you can just you can just them. Oh, my God. I did that. Dude, <laughs> dude, the first playthrough, I forgot all about this. My first playthrough, I was trying to put Rex in line. And you just whip him with a gun, you blast him, and he's dead. And I was like, okay, reload that yeah. save. Nope. Nope. No, I, I let that stand. Oh, my God. Rex is my favorite character. I, so. I, I, I'm, like, I, I'm like, fall in line. And he's like, the hell I will. And you're like... Okay. That was jarring. Your decision, not that mine. That was jarring. You know, I gotta say, Mass Effect was one of the only games I saw a commercial for that I wanted to buy afterwards. I saw a commercial on cable TV, and yeah. I was like, holy crap, that game looks amazing. Yeah. Um, I, I, I will say... And I did never buy it, and, but and I, I did play it. And I don't know why. I don't know if it's the voice actors. I don't know if it's, it's just inflections in speech or whatever else, but... When I get a Mass Effect game, I will usually go through as as Male Shep and I will be Paragon among Paragons. I I will be the, of course I will help recover the remains of your dead loved one. Of (laughs) course I I will bow to the council and do what's good for and just for the galaxy. And when I'm Fem Shep, I'm like, you, I deserve to be a Spectre. Yeah. Yeah, I just, uh, I don't know. I do both. Yeah, It's not tied to anything. I just go, well, I want to do a Paragon playthrough. I want to do a Renegade playthrough. Just like KOTOR, you know. Oh, yeah. Mm. I see now what you were pointing oh, to. Oh, yeah, yeah. Rogue One's on. Yeah. Uh, the best of the Star Wars movies. Right. So... Yeah, here's where we're at right now. And on on the TVs to the left there, they're playing Rogue One. Which is awesome. (laughs) I'm so stoked by that. Anybody disagrees with my No Man's Sky uh, take, wanna talk about Star Wars? (laughs) No, because I agree with you about Rogue One. Cheers to that. And you still haven't finished Andor. I, I'm on episode three. Uh, no, I finished episode three. <laughs> I'm, on, on. I'm on four. That's where it gets good. I know. That's my, where it gets my, good. My problem is it is such a slow burn at the beginning. Like, they, they come out of the gates shooting, and I mean that very literally. Um, First episode's good. But, but then I'm like... Okay, I'm like seven minutes in and I'm like, holy crap, this is getting real fast. And then I watch for another two hours and I'm like, are they going to develop this story... At all, I honestly can't, couldn't tell you about the second episode, but the third episode is where it gets really good, and then like four, five, six, like, and then like I think it's like episode eight, they deliver literally like one of the best monologues in Star Wars ever. Like, is Star Wars known for its monologues? No, they deliver an amazing, rousing speech, something on par with like the golden age Game of Thrones, and you go, wow, does it get better than that? Captain Shaw's holodeck speech. Yes. And you go, wow, does it get better than that? And then literally they cut to the next scene, and it tops it. It tops it. It's even better. And you're like, wow. You go home for the week, and you're just like, I can't believe that this is Star Wars. I'm watching an adult Star Wars show. All right, I'm sold. And then they come back the next week, and they do it again. I'm I'm sold. (laughs) I I need to see this now. It's so so good. I, I Rogue One is one of my favorite Star Wars of all time. Like, just flat out, it it, it deserves so much credit that it actually gets. Um, But uh, I'm also in the camp of, like, I'm still very much a Star Trek fan. And holy crap, if Season 3 of Picard did not just cement that into the very fiber of my being. Jeff showed me a clip, so I still haven't watched any of Picard except for... Jeff showed me a clip... uh... Uh yeah, what was that? Was that Captain Shaw? Was it Shaw's speech? About uh, Wolf... Uh, Wolf 359. 359. Hey, Holy did, 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 did you know... Did, did your old man tell you where he and I first met? met? Uh, Start at 40623.9? A, a little... Oh, surely and you, you know see, of the Battle of Wolf just, 359. You just see Picard's body, or his soul, leave his body. Like, like, uh-huh. the, the best description of that I've ever heard is I've never seen Picard look small before. Yeah. Picard is always the... He's the the man. He's the man. He's the man you want behind everything. And in that moment, he was every fallacy and false prophet and and disgraced war hero, and that that fiction has ever brought upon us, because Captain Shaw was lucky number ten. Lucky number. Oh, and oh, holy oh, crap, so good. What a model. And the thing I love most, they did that in one take. It, it was shows. one take. It shows. It is so good. Follow yeah. Todd Stashwick on Twitter if you don't already. Holy crap, he is every bit the personification of Captain Liam Shaw, uh, but also a D&D nerd. <laughs> yeah. uh, so I, I showed Brett. I, I wound up purchasing uh, Mystic Libations, which is a book that was co-written by Todd Sashwick, Captain Liam Shaw. In fact, I have a signed copy of which. Uh, And in fact, the last time I was at the liquor store, I specifically sought out ingredients for a cocktail that's in that book. So, uh, that will be coming forthwith. Hell yeah. Now we're talking. Yes. Yeah. One thing I can say about that clip from Picard, and I'll leave it at this, is that, uh... One of the weaknesses of the episodic format that is TNG and Deep Space Nine and, and all that is that often you get these incredibly intense, heady, immense things that happen that you then don't ever have time to thoroughly explore. Yeah. And then when you enter into like prestige TV territory like Picard, You can take one scene and have one character blow open something that it felt like it should have been a bigger deal on the show. All we got from Picard dealing with Wolf 359 was him going home and his brother and him wrestling in the mud. Yeah. And it's a great episode. I love Family so much. Season four, episode one. Yeah. Two. Uh, you're right. You're right. <laughs> because we clo- we close out best of both worlds. Best whatever. of both worlds. We is close out best of both worlds. Part two world. is yeah. season four episode one. Oh <laughs> wow! Families damn. is episode See, yeah, two. You're right. Wow. Uh, I do that every time. Uh, no, I, I I totally agree with that sentiment um, because. There's so much left unsaid in a lot of episodes. And, and I, I, I love that Lower Dex is starting to expose those a little bit. Yeah. And, and it's like, Shax is alive? Oh yeah, bridge crew come back from the dead all the time. But it's an unspoken rule that you don't talk about it. And and uh, and so you've got you've got the ensign dealing with like holy crap he saved my life and, and he died in that accident and now he's alive again and I don't know that I I I I need to know and then finally he corners him in a, in a turbo lift and he goes I know I'm not supposed to ask because you'll. You'll fire me and send me off to an asteroid colony somewhere, but how are you alive? And he's like, Son, are you really sure you're ready to know (laughs) the ins and outs of. Okay, first off, the Celestial Temple is real and it's a fickle bitch. (laughs) So good. Almost as good as the Morrowind television program that we could have. Right? No, seriously, though. I've been saying this for a long time. Sorry, I hiccuped and inhaled my beer. <laughs> Let me try again. No, I've been saying this for a long time, Jeff. you It doesn't have to be the events of Morrowind, but you take the events that transpired at Red Mountain that uh, that, uh, that created the Tribunal Temple, Ooh. Ooh. where you have the betrayal of Endoral Nerevar by... Uh, the tribunal and Dagoth Ur, Uh yep. when they when they took the tool, the Kagernax tools, to take the power of the heart of Lurkin for themselves, betrayed Nerevar, and uh, became living gods unto themselves. Like that is some Game of Thrones level stuff, man. All right, Stephen Colbert, you've had your moment of the spotlight. <laughs> what? I would uh, just pick up the phone we can talk about y- this <laughs> y- y- you are to Morrowind as Stephen Colbert is to Lord of the Rings is he you know Stephen Colbert is uh, he got greenlit to produce a fantasy series uh, called the uh, the Chronicles of Amber yep. which is like an old-school 70s science fiction fantasy blending yeah I'd never heard of it until Colbert mentioned it and I was like wait what is this he got greenlit to produce it. I started reading the books. I'm like, holy crap, how is this not anything yet? Yeah. You know, yet we have Lord of the Rings and all of this other stuff. Yeah. I mean, Lord of the Rings, that's the staple. Sure, I'm not disputing that. But the, the the Chronicles of Amber is very interesting and good. And, uh, yeah, I guess he's going to bring it to life. So we'll see what happens yeah. with that. But, uh, but Yeah. No, if I had the same clout as Stephen Colbert had, it would already be a show. I'm talking like Game of Thrones level intrigue. Yeah. I'm talking like take us to the heart of Vardenfell, you know? Like give us the politics of the great houses leading up to the betrayal when they literally just murk Nerevar. And if you wanted to, I I mean, you could you could do the whole like you know i I think you just ended there i don't know it's that's a cool story into and of itself and then thousands of years later you know that that's the birth of the dunmer right there the dark elves totally uh you know which is usually my character playthrough exactly exactly because you're a fan of Morrowind, the home of the dark elves azura azura looked at the chimer and they're just like I can't believe you would do this. You're a bunch of jerks. And yeah. she turned their golden skin dark. That's why Vivek, Vivek's half of his body is dark, half of his yep. body is light because he was cursed. Yep. Um, and anyway, I think you could do that. Uh, and, and you could do the bit of, you know, in Morrowind that you play where the Nerevar is resurrected, comes back as the Nerevarine mm-hmm. and fulfills the prophecy by... Merc in the Tribunal and taking out Dag 3rd. That's all cool and interesting in and of itself, but it's just like not as rich. There's like all this untapped potential. We don't know what the island looked like back then. We have all the great houses which shift and survive to modern day. It would kind of be like if you had your Game of Thrones going in back and, and doing... House uh, of the Dragon like they have done which is like you're watching House of the Dragon and you see all the familiarities like uh, they'd mention you know House Brathian and Stark and all of these things and you're like hey, I know those people that's so cool um, but you know it's like a completely different world because the Targaryen dynasty is uh, is still in power anyway there's sorry I'm watching Rogue One. Oh yeah no this is a great part right uh, I, I'm taking to imprison them in prison Yes. Classic. The Force is with me and I am with the Force. The Force is with me and I am with the Force. Is he deaf? I said stop right there. Um yeah, Rogue One is a great film. Um honestly though, even Solo is great. Solo, Solo's good. Solo is really, really good. Solo is really good. I did try to rewatch one of the Star Wars movies. Recently and I just can't do it was the Phantom Menace because I know yeah. Phantom Menace goes so hard It's so awesome, and I love it But okay, wanna... well then was it attack of the Clones*? No, I love attack of the clones. too. I don't that's fine. I don't blame you for that I, I have no argument to defend why I like attack of the clones That's fair. Attack of the clones is worse than Phantom Menace uh, But whatever uh, which one did you rewatch that you couldn't? Uh, Rise of Skywalker? Yes. Awful. Yeah, I tried, awful super, from every I, tr- I tried super hard to just, like, ignore all the problems, but I literally, I can't get past how important it was and significant it was. Somehow Palpatine has returned. That's not even, that's, like, that part's awful. They fly now? <laughs> that's all really easy to make fun of. I know it is because it's awful. And what I can't get past is how important and it was when Ray and Kylo Ren are duking it out in Snoke's throne room for the lightsaber and they pull it apart uh, and it explodes. And then suddenly two scenes later it's about it's back together again? In the next movie. It's just I know. they never mention it. It's just there. It's like fuck it. Yeah, nope. We we just have Luke's lightsaber again. Like, it's totally what? cool, guys. I'm like, how? Did it, like that's a whole new level of retcon they don't even mention mm-hmm. how it's fixed or what I mean it exploded mm-hmm. and not just like steel casing but like kyber crystal and everything that like, was what the idea was the explosion was was the right. kyber crystal shatter. Right. right it's so bad it's so bad yep I tried so hard to watch it and just like see past its faults and I yeah. Guys, if you haven't figured this out, I'm I'm so capable of suspending my disbelief. I I don't I'm so, I am the most forgiving audience. I like Attack of the Clones. I like The Phantom Menace. Uh, I I don't hate The Phantom Menace. I really don't. I I hate Episode Two. Yeah, that's fine. I, I hate Attack of the Clones. That's fine. Um, what I give attack of the Clones is that it gave it, us the Clone Wars it gave us right there's so much retconning out of that yeah. particular yeah. storyline I don't hate it um, and and and, and know, honestly if if you go to you know Revenge of the Sith there's so much there's so much meat to the story there as well it's kind of hard to hate it too. But at the same time, I can't hold them up on the same platter. You know what, though? What I love about how far we've come with Attack of the Clones is it's neither. It's not a big brain or galaxy brain take to say you hate it or you love it. Yeah. At, at this point, everybody's That's like, fair. everybody's yeah. like, no, for sure. No, it's, it's <laughs> it exists. They're like, oh yeah, you love it. Well, I fucking hate it. Oh, sorry. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> There you guys go. It's just for you. Uh, they're like, uh, love it or hate it? Uh, and They're like, really? You hate it? Well, I'm sorry. It's my favorite movie of all time. I named my child after that movie. Right. Uh, but that's cool. I'm glad, I'm glad you hate it. Like, honestly, somebody needs to. Uh, it's really right. not that great of a movie. I, I can't explain, it, but I love it. I, I literally named my child Boba. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's wild how we've come that far with the prequels, you know? It really is. And like Phantom Menace, like, I love that movie. I don't know what it is, you know what I mean? Like, I, I have some major problems with Phantom Menace. Sure. I really do. There are. There are some. Uh, there are some. There are some major problems. I, 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 I partially love, but also, like, vehemently hate how campy the opening is, uh, from like, you know, oh, the Jedi were sent as delegates of the the blah, 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 and we're here with the Trade Federation who has set up a blockade for Naboo. You're right about one thing, Master. The negotiations negotiations were short. short. (laughs) I hate it, and I love it at the same time. I, I hate that line. I hate you and McGregor, but at the same time, Ewan McGregor is the best is Obi-Wan the Kenobi ever. He is the man. And you know what? As much hate as Kenobi got, I'm sorry. That show was... I, I loved Kenobi. I loved it too. I really did. It was did. so dope. And I'm sorry. When you get Vader and Kenobi facing off, with the light shifting, oh god, that was such a scene. That, that's peak Star Wars, man. Ah. And you know what? You don't get peak Star Wars without the worst Star Wars, except for the fact that Rise of Skywalker just sucks farts all around, and there's no redeeming it. Right. But like when I'm saying that like Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones are redeemable, like what I'm saying is that like they're they are so campy as to like if you're trying to give an intellectual argument about why they're bad, you've already lost. They're that campy, right? You know. Right. Thank you so much. Uh, you, you another? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> <Good>. uh, <laughs> if, if you're trying to sit Rhett there and say Rhett, why, Brett's fighting falling asleep, and the waiter turned around and went. <laughs> <laughs> if you're trying to give the intellectual argument about why Jar Jar Binks sucks, you've already lost. Right. Because he Everybody knows he sucks. Right. You're not smart for knowing that Jar Jar Binks sucks. Right. And you know what? And if you like him, good for you because you've overcome like silliness. You know, I, I, like I, you've transcended. I, I, I was in the perfect age group, and I I started out liking Jar Jar Binks as, but I I, I think I understood him for what he was. He was the comic relief. In an otherwise serious and political movie. Yeah, yeah. And and, and yeah, he and was he was the, there to add a bit of like this is go, like this is fucking nuts. Oh, <laughs> like, whoa, whoa! You just said the. I did, I said it on purpose. George Lucas goes, "Hey, I need another Jim Henson puppet. How do we make this happen?" And they right. go, "Look, we got CGI, CGI, and let's find the best mocap guy we can, Ahmed Best, which, by the way." What if, a if return you, in The Mandalorian. He came back uh, re- and, and, and took on the role of a Jedi that was responsible... Spoiler alert. Was responsible for liberating Grogu from Order 66. Good God. And it was so um, dope. It is, like, is there a, a f- great scene? Is there a better redemption story than all our best? I, I The thing that sucks is that he had to endure... Years of 22 hate. Twenty-two years. Years um, of hate, and I never hated Jar Jar that much. And no. to hear the fact that, like, the, to hear the fact that those movies impacted the the actors so bad, like Jake Lloyd who played Anakin, right. like getting, sh- like, dude, he was a kid, and if you had a problem with that, right. you're like, you're you are mentally wrong in the head, and I suggest that you seek professional. help. He was eight. You could also go for what was Rose, the 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 new one we like to hate in the sequels. Oh right, yeah, yeah. Like, we're not the, we're not Finn, the Empire Finn's romantic interest yeah, 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 yeah. Um, except Finn had, who is not Ray? Finn uh, ended up with the with the galactic woman who rode a horse on the spaceship so it, I mean it makes sense uh, does it though have you been Let's, with a horse lady <laughs> I, look, I'm from a small town. Of course I know horse There ladies. you go. There you go. I mean, I don't blame Finn in the least, but Rose got the short end of the stick. Uh, d- you know what's crappy is the audience goes, wow, I really hate this person. Not as an actress, not as but a character. as a person. As a person. And they go, let's get her out of there and replace her with a horse girl. Right. Uh, good Lord. What, that movie is Suddenly, so bad. Suddenly Rose is irrelevant. You know what I will say, though? For as Somehow, bad... Somehow Rose is... <laughs> But I will say, for as bad as Rise of Skywalker is, they fly now? They redeemed one shred of it in Mandalorian when he's trying to bring IG-11 back and he takes him to those little aliens that are down there. Yes. That that, that alien was first introduced in Rise of Skywalker. Yes. I love that guy. He was so cute. He was the best part of Rise of Skywalker. Uh, Uh, We also got the first swear of all time in Star Wars history with i I'm out, motherfucker. What? Yes. Did you not know that? In what? In Mandalorian season three, that little that little dude who repaired IG11 to IG12, um, when he was introducing the droid, he goes, uh, "What's up? I'm out, motherfucker!" And, and, dro- and drops a motherfucker. <laughs> he totally does. He totally. You need to go back and watch it. He totally. When he does. brings him back after like repairing him. Yeah. Like before he gives him to Grogu, right? (laughs) Like while he's introducing him to Grogu, he's like, "Screw you, I'm out, Mother Effer," and and totally does. I I can believe that. That sounds. (laughs) It's amazing. (laughs) I had no idea. Yes. I had Uh, no idea. So that was quite quite the controversy through, like, episode two and three. Um, That's great. I don't care. But, yeah. no, That's uh, peak Star Wars. I absolutely loved it because it's like, yeah, no, we're totally just going to drop a a mother effer in the middle of Star Wars. Yeah write it off to to alien language. Mom, what was that word the man said on the internet? (laughs) Demonetized for stir. Still PG-13 unless Rhett drops another (laughs) F-bomb. Rhett called you a little bitch and... (laughs) Yeah, whatever. Uh... Kren is not is one of those people who doesn't mind Jar Jar Binks, and that's why me and Kren I, get along so I, well. I, I didn't mind Jar Jar Binks, and and again, I was kind of in that age group that Jar Jar Binks was aimed to. In fact, I have a good Jar Jar Binks voice. Like I, I I can do some of the misa, like you can do what? I can I can do some of the Jar Jar Binks voice. I mean, you used the right words, but that was not his voice. Yeah, I'm not gonna do it now because I'm like six years in. Guys, um, I don't... Was that George Jar, Jar Binks, guys? No. It totally wasn't. But but at the same I'm time... Just, I'm just messing with you. I know you are. <laughs> uh, but, like, I, I was totally in the age group and target demographic of, like, yeah, George Jar, Jar Binks is the comic relief to the, you know, stoic Obi-Wan Kenobi and Qui-Gon Jinn and the Jedi Order and, yeah. and everything else. And... And even Obi-Wan got a couple of remarks, you know, well, you were right about one thing, Master. The negotiations were short. And and that was, like, the best of the jokes. But. I mean, that was Obi-Wan all throughout. Yeah. Like, when he catches Anakin's lightsaber in Attack of the Clones. Yeah, like, yeah, 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 Like, that's that's the equivalent of, like, oh, you were right about one thing, you know. Like, Don't lose that again. Yeah. Would you like to buy some death sticks? No. Uh you want to go home and re your rethink your, your life. Rethink your life. Yes. <laughs> I'm gonna go home and rethink my life. Yeah. No, and, and you're right, that was him throughout and, and it totally He was the was funny Jedi match. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right behind Mace Windu. <laughs> do, do you do you have a light, over? Do you have a lightsaber in your pack that says BMF on it? <laughs> I love that. Script. That's my lightsaber. I, I just saw a clip of uh, behind the scenes when, uh, you know, they're all talking about lightsabers or whatever, and blah, blah 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 blah. And and Mace goes, "Well, so what? You you don't have a purple lightsaber?" And George Lewis goes, "Well, we could maybe do a purple lightsaber." And he's like, "Yeah, we probably could, couldn't we?" He's like, "Yeah, I think we will." Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so great. We're totally gonna have a purple lightsaber. I mean, why would you keep it as just blue, green, and red? You know, right, come that's on, stupid. Now it's tracking you. It really what? I I didn't touch anything. I Yeah, swear it to just God. started tracking you instantly. It really did. There we go.
1: <laughs>
0: oh my gosh!
1: I'm excited. To- World
0: Expo 23. Uh, Tomorrow, I don't know, keep your eye out on social media for some pictures, for some updates, join the Discord server for as little as a dollar a month over on patreon.com slash craft computing and keep your eye on our exploits uh, because we're going to be down on the show floor for the Augmented World Expo 2023, AWE. uh, And we're going to be talking to all sorts of companies and checking out... uh, What is in for the future of AR and VR technology and what these companies are bringing to market, uh, bringing to bear in the coming months? It's going to be a cool time. Not only that, but I, I, I feel... I'm going to toot my own horn slightly here. I feel I was one of the ones who showed a lot of the... AR-focused right. companies, <laughs> a la XReal or Rocket or whatever, that you don't necessarily have to be about AR if you focus on other markets to help develop. And well that was like one of the funny things, like watching like Short Circuits uh XReal Air like review or whatever, yeah, yeah. he had a completely different take. Yeah. And it was just like, well, yeah, this is campy and I guess whatever, who knows. And it's like meanwhile over in craft competing, it's like, wow, this has so like some really cool productivity implications, you know? Like this has a really I, cool- I would em- love to take this on a plane with me, which by the way, I have footage of me on the plane <coughs> using my Nreal Air today with my GPD WinMax 2, going like this is the best flight ever. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And it's it's cool. The screen is great, it looks yep. cool, it's like, come on. I don't know, man. Like, PMP. I guess it's the price tag, right? Maybe the price tag is where it's at, but right. It's three seventy nine. It's definitely not for everyone. It's definitely outside of impulse purchase territory for a lot of people. But at the same time, if you've got Steam Deck money, three or four months later, you might have Enreal Air money. Yeah. And and honestly, they're kind of a match made in heaven. And that was what my original yes. video about them was about. The ultimate Steam Deck accessory. Right. So. Yeah, I'm excited to see, like, you know, uh, AR and VR is is kind of uh, dear to me in particular. It's why I'm actually here at Craft Computing, because I was doing a project in game development, and I was interested in showing my partner about VR, and the only person I knew with VR happened to be a guy uh, sitting right next to me. And so we went over and talked to him about VR and the implications of the technology and... And, and what's in store for it in the consumer side of things. And here we are five years later. And, and, so, And this is before I was an influencer. <laughs> it really was. It yeah, really you. was. It was just like, this is just a guy who loves what he's doing and like rented a space above a bar to show other people how cool VR was. Yeah. That was me. Yeah. Uh, I, I I've said multiple times, like, everyone asks if like, I'm living my best life and I'm doing what exactly I would be doing otherwise. And my answer was always, yes, I did this crap anyway. It's just now I turn a camera on. Yeah, exactly. Uh, So yeah, we do have a couple super chats. Tech Geek chimes in with five bucks. Thank you again, uh, Tech Geek. Uh, I have a jar of jars. His name is Jar Jar. When you shake it, Jar Jar clinks. Nice, nicely done. Yes. Uh, for some reason, the track can turn back on. Hold on, we'll get it. There we go. No, no, stop. Come you're mine. Mind. We're still in beta on the camera. I'll let you know later. Uh, and then Eric chimes in with 20 bucks. Thank you very much, Eric. Uh, hey, uh, uh, just been uh, heading home from a shift in Intel and wanted to ask, what's a good service to rent a decently powerful Windows VM to host a custom game server that isn't G Portal or other game server rentals. Um, Honestly, you can get something done with either AWS or Linode or anyone that lets you rent a bespoke graphics card or graphics card instance. Uh, And not necessarily a cloud gaming service. Uh, Anyone that allows you bespoke graphics card access inside a VM, you can run games and you can run services that will allow you to stream that game to to thin clients with very little latency, a la Moonlight or Sunshine or Parsec or the like, and so anyone that allows you bare metal access to a to a GPU or even virtualized access to a GPU is probably a service to check into. Uh, services like Linode, our sponsor for today, uh, they uh, they limit themselves to Linux VMs, but they do also. Offer dedicated virtual or dedicated and virtual GPU instances in their cloud services, which you can install something like Moonlight and then stream to uh, a device of your choosing. So, lots of different things out there. Uh, Novella Hub says you still have daylight behind you. That's because we're on the best coast. Uh, indeed. Let's see. I, I, I got lots of daylight left. Let's see. Sunset is not until 50, uh, so uh, 40 minutes from now. Yeah, 8.51. So we got a little bit of time. 40 minutes. Yeah. And that, and we still have a little bit of uh, daylight after that. So about uh, 90 minutes of I, daylight I, left. i got a little bit of beer left, which means I have a little bit of time to call an Uber still. There you go. Perfect. And with that, I think that's going to do it for Talking Heads, episode 287, if I remember correctly. Uh, Join us every Wednesday night at 8 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Pacific time. Good Lord, I still can't get used to that. For the latest in beer... And tech news uh this has been a lot of fun we are here at uh fault line brewing fault line brewing, fault line brewing in sunnyvale california right outside the bay area just outside ah! san jose uh, they have been fantastic hosts uh excellent facility love the architecture but even more love the beer their beer is fantastic i i i Uh, I'm not just saying this. The beer is genuinely very, very good. Uh, So if you uh, can make it out here, if you see them on the shelf, go ahead and pick them up. You will not be disappointed. Absolutely. Anyway, that's going to do it for us here on the show. Uh, Thank you so much for watching. And as always, we'll see you next week. Better close to nine, right?
1: Yeah. (laughs) Sweet.